Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geomologist Presents. It's a special show for you today, and it's uh, responses from the uh, pretty well-received PVP, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of PVP podcast that I put out um, about a month ago, maybe, maybe a little longer. But uh, I've gotten around to this. I got a really long call from Jason Hobbs. And originally, I was going to play it in its entirety without comment, but I think it deserves comment, and it helps and becomes part of the discussion. There's things that I learned when listening to Hobbes' message that I missed, and I will address them. Uh, there are things that I disagree with, and we're good friends, so we agree to disagree, and that's kind of cool. And there were some comments and clarification by Jason Connerly as well. Uh, based on this particular situation uh, that uh, Jason Hobbs refers to. So, well, without uh, further ado, let's start getting into Jason Hobbs and his Hobbstool takeover. Hey Carl, it's Hobbs. I have a long response to PVP. It would probably be best on my own show and then let a lot of people maybe interact with it. But maybe, you know, you broach the subject and I'm one of the players involved in the bad PVP. Maybe I'm the really the one that started it. I don't I don't know for sure. Our good buddy Arlen said he was intending to do the same thing but uh, we don't really know because I did start it. I think we need to go back in time in the Wayback Machine, Mr. Peabody, I'll be Sherman. And when I started playing, I think it was vogue to, in some circles, obviously in other circles at other tables, it, it was whatever. But at my table, it was pretty common to play your character the way you thought your character should be played. Most of the time you were just playing yourself and there's no question about that. And and I think if you're trying to emulate genre and characters are characters, not necessarily the hero, not necessarily the protagonist, not necessarily the antagonist, they are what they are and then the story that emerges is what the story is. I have been involved in uh, what we're calling PvP these days many, many, many times. Um, I have, I can go on record as always saying I feel as if I have failed in some way or did an error if my character dies. But I can remember, uh, well, I mean, a lot of times we're playing murder hobos, right? Especially in a D&D-esque early edition D&DS game, say second, is what I'm used to, and probably even before that, 1, 1.5, BX, Holmes, whatever. 
But when you're playing these characters who are willing to kill for treasure, and if you really want to talk about player agency, I think this is a an issue where player agency meshes with maybe expectation. I have never been involved in a PvP because I get off on hurting other people. I'm not a D and D or RPG tabletop RPG bully ever. That would be the last thing I would want to do. I also don't want it to be less fun for you than it is for me. I want to bring people together at the gaming table and create a synchronicity that is better than all the individual parts. But we are playing murder hobos that are willing to go into someone else's tomb and steal their treasures. So, you know, we're grave robbers. We're willing to put pit faction against faction to try and get what we want out of it. We are willing to do all these things as characters, so it seems strange that a character would never go against another character in the party just because they're in the party. That is meta. That's meta as all get out, brother. And I understand that that's maybe part of the social contract, but if we really are interested in a player agency, then there should be this feeling that we can either choose to trust the other character or we can choose not to. And sometimes when we do trust them, it's not gonna work out. <coughs> All right, I gotta cut in here. So Hobbs, I'll give you that every player has a different experience on how they started in D&D, &D, whether it's OD&D, um, even Chainmail, going through to BX and then AD&D, or second edition, but I think it, experiences are different, and I don't discount your experience. It seems that your groups were in, into the murder hobo thing, everyone for themselves, but that was not my experience, and I've talked to a few other people, um, and even it was communicated, I will say very eloquently, by Taylor on Clerics, who were Ringmail, if you look up his adversarial play podcast from March 29th, um, and you can even go to 1313 and where he talks about disrespecting players and adversarial play and his premise is that when you're in a dungeon you need to work together as a team there's no room for the lone wolf how to do their own thing because if not if that is the case then everyone dies and maybe that has happened a lot and he gives experiences uh, of that and i've talked to other people too including my wife who played uh Believe it or not, yes, she played D&D &D early on. Her brother used to run stuff for her, and it was a lot of dungeon crawls, and people didn't backstab each other. When I ran, I didn't. Maybe there was backstabbing out of earshot from me, but when they got to the dungeon, and sure, they had their own stories and sometimes agendas, but when they got to the dungeon, it was cooperative. Um, and I don't know. Again, every experience is different. And that's the way you guys play it, and that's that's cool. But uh, I, you know, I don't think it is a byproduct, or I don't think old school play centers around adversarial play, everyone for themselves. But it's just how you interpret uh, the way uh, the thing of the setup, right? So, for example, in the Asian Adventures games that I ran, everyone kind of worked for the same lord and daimyo. There might be house rivalry, sure. If they develop that, 
you see how that occurs during during the course of play. But uh, I just didn't, you know, see that the the PVP right the uh, the player going off on their own and doing their own thing to the detriment of the party. Right, there are players who did their own things, sure. Uh, but not to the detriment of the party, and especially during gameplay and in the dungeon, as uh, Taylor in Cleric for Ringmail contends. All right, let's keep going. Now, this is just my thought process. It doesn't have to be anyone else's, but this is the school of thought that I usually try to play my characters with. Of course, I don't want to be that guy who, oh, this is what my character would do. But there's many times I've allowed my character to play itself out of play, and then I'll just start a new character because I'm really there about telling emergent stories. Uh, and sometimes my character maybe isn't the guy who hangs out and stays with the party the whole time. Maybe he has other things that he's decided is more important. And that's okay. I'm also the... I am also the guy, though, that usually just allows a another replacement player character into the game if, say, a character dies or something. I mean, there are some things that we have to sacrifice in order to hopefully have a better game, right? Because that's what we're about, is having a better game. And for some people, a better game would mean no confrontation amongst characters. But I also believe maybe that's because we hold too closely to our characters. And so if Jason Hobbs' character attacks Carl Rodriguez's character, now Carl Rodriguez doesn't, doesn't trust Jason Hobbs. That isn't right, man. That isn't the way that it works. Because we're playing a character. That's the point, in my opinion. And of course, you can have your own. So now that we have a little backstory, I mean, I can tell you many, many, many stories of PvP. I could also tell you many stories of an Axis and Allies game I was playing against someone else. Is that PvP? No, not really. So let's drop into the specifics of the Aces and Eights game that I had our man Jason Connerly as the GM. You... Amy Lee and uh, Arlen Walker all playing disparate and unconnected characters that may or may not have been aware of each other throughout before play began. So in their backgrounds, they were not a group. They were not friends. They weren't anything. They may have known each other. They may have been slight acquaintances. All we can go by is what we have. And yes, now I agree that maybe it would have been better up front for us to discuss if we were actually going to do, you know, lines and veils and whatever. And if someone said, hey, PvP is a line for me, I don't want it, I can't handle that, so we don't do it. But we did not do that, and I don't think that is a failure of Jason's. I think that's a failure of all of us as a group. We could... The only thing we really knew about our characters is we rolled them up on the spot, but we did get a message previously that was a secret message, so individual to each character, uh, which was their motivation for the story. There was a, we're in a town, we're starting at the cardinal positions away from each other, from the same distance from the center of town, and uh, and now we all know that all of us wanted a part our goal our motivation for our characters handed to us by the gm at our acceptance was there is 
an old guy who has a mind claim and for whatever reason each of our characters believed they were due that mind claim i'm going to chime in here again and uh, thank you for that continued discussion jason again i think we come from different philosophies and schools of thought um but as you explained it and maybe i don't know i will take the blame for maybe being out of it and not reading the room because as you explain it to me, how Jason set things up, Jason Connerly, that is, I'm like, oh, now I get it. And I just didn't pay attention or, uh, again, maybe because Amy was playing, I was um, thinking, okay, I guess, you know, since we're partners in life, we're going to be partners here in this game. But uh, as you described the setup very plainly and eloquently, well, that is not the case. Uh, Jason Connerly also has some thoughts about it. I agree. I do not. You can hear what Jason says, but I agree. I do not blame him. And I really say it's me for not reading the room. Um, now, I, I think this was during the course of play. I, I do agree that it's not Carl versus Jason. It is a game. Sure, I might be upset at the time because I got, in my mind, I got, you know, one pulled over me. But as I listened again to you explaining the setup, I think I was just a little dense and maybe a bit uh, gullible and expecting uh, something else. But like you said, you said expectations are very important and key. And uh, I was thinking it'd be kind of similar to what um, Jason had run with his Boot Hill stuff or what we had done with other kind of classic games. And it, clearly, as you explain it, um, and Amy got it, um, I didn't that uh, it was a situation where we were all independents and all out for ourselves. Um, yeah, let's let Jason uh, put in his a couple cents about this too. Hey Carl, Jason here. Just listened to PvP and RPG combat episode. And I just wanted to say that one thing I probably should have done with that aces and eights is lines and veils. I do that for convention games or at least a, a stripped down version of that where we talk about expectations, talk about like the level of violence and talk about the kinds of things that would be in the game. And I do it when I'm playing with people I've never played with before, but like that birthday game, we did aces and eights. I've played with all you guys before, so I didn't, you know, I didn't do it. And if I had done like a lines and veils thing, PVP could have been mentioned. And at that point ever, you know, it would have been there. And if somebody wanted to say, well, no PVP, you, you know, we would have had that on the table or not on the table. So that's where that session zero and, and using those kind of safety tools can come in handy. So I think safety tools would elim either eliminate the negatives of PVP because you, you talk about it ahead of time, right? Okay, so we begin moving towards a dead body in the center of town that we all recognize as the old man who had the claim. So. Uh, I believe every player in their mind was thinking, okay, we need to figure out how we can get that claim. So as we all start approaching, gunfire happens from other people around us, presumably some other people who want the mine claim. Still, our characters don't really know each other. Your character has shown himself to be quite adequate um, and maybe even more adept than that at gunplay, sliding in on his knees, blasting someone through a window. 
my character, this is his first gunfight he's ever been in. Uh, we are, it's already determined by the roles when we made our characters. So I already knew my stats were not good. I already knew that the chances of my survival in gunplay are very limited. So my number one priority is survival. Number two, get the mine, uh, get the mine claim. So everything that I do follows in that priority. Your character is on his knees in a position. He's already blown somebody away. I don't know who he blew away. I don't know if that, to me, both your character and the character he shot being an NPC are unknowns to me. I mean, I may know who they are, I may not. I don't know what their intents are. So I have my gun up on Amy Lee's character who was at the body and he's asking, hey, do you, is the claim there? What's happening? Your character now has his guns out of shooting people. And so I, my character switches over to put his gun on you. And so I think the, the way the system works is all part of the decision-making process in this where you know you have to the, the countdown the clock and all the and the, all the ways that you determine your actions and how long it takes you know uh finding a target aiming all those things go into play i knew i had to do everything that i possibly could in order to increase my chances of hitting because my character just wasn't that good uh, i want to be in cover all these things are in my brain and i my character has his gun pointed at your character when your character does not have his gun up and continually says drop your guns don't bring your gun don't point your guns at me if you do i will shoot you your character continued to bring his gun up and brought it to bear on my character so my character shot your character that's it to me that was all easily within the play of the game now this idea of again you know listening to you and you describe the course of events i tend to agree with you and i think what it boiled down to is you were able to take the shot you felt threatened. My guy had a gun trained on you. You fired. And I don't know if you intended to kill because you did, like, I think you even were aiming, like, at the shoulder, but you hit the upper arm. And the way that the silhouette worked out, the gun just sort of penetrated and uh, ended up killing my character. That's just the way the rules go. I think I was upset because I thought you were, I was talking, I thought my character was talking you down, but that's not what happened. And you got the jump on me. And hey, I'm cool with that. Looking at it, uh, I guess, through the binoculars of hindsight, I think that's how it would work. So yeah, no ill will. And uh, and then the story continued, which I think was kind of cool. And you'll explain that too. Cooperation and camaraderie. I don't know that that exists with that sort of game, in my opinion. But like I mentioned, that is probably something all of us should have discussed pre-hand, pre um, but with my experience in a Western game of that sort, it's really a skirmish kind of shoot 'em up game, so the idea of anyone being able to shoot anybody else was already there for my expectations. Expectations always the uh, harbinger of disappointment. No expectations, no disappointment. Uh, I was, I was not angry at you, I was not angry at Amy's character when she shot my character at the end. It seemed well within. It was like, dang, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. I wasn't mad at Arlen's character when I shot him or his character. It wasn't any anger. There wasn't anything. I thought it was fun. I thought it was an interesting game. It's not any different than playing a board game and sending, you know, playing sorry and sending someone to jail or any of those other things for me. But I understand for other people that maybe that does 
do other things to them. So uh, maybe I'll go into more depth about some anecdotes of the PvP that I played in. And most of the time I was on the losing end of the aggression. But anyhow, there's my story and I'm sticking to it. And I can understand if you don't play this message because it's so flipping long. Great topic, great show, great friend. Talk to you soon, Carl. Hey, Hobbs, I think you nailed it, right? Great topic, great friends. Uh, we've been playing games together for a long time. But I, I, what I do differ from you is the way you, you kind of come at the game, the role-playing game, as a board game. And I think in a board game, the assumption is that your adversarial cooperative board games are very rare. Whereas in contrast, at least in my experience, and clearly your experience has been different, you tackle things differently, uh, you're looking, uh, you got something else in mind for the game, and you analyze things from a different point of view than I do, clearly. So um, I would have, I would have grokked what was going on in the game. And again, I think that's me not understanding um, your motivations, the other the motivations in general, and the setup for the game. But uh, we think people approach things in different ways, and that's okay. Um, I don't. I think, like it, I, in hindsight, I think it was a really fun game. I, I wouldn't mind doing aces and eights again. Um, it is kind of like a skirmish game, and I'd rather get into in an investigative Western game, kind of like how we did High Plains Heroes. There was uh, missions to do, or not really missions, but at least clues or trails to follow, uh, people to interact with. I think there was an overall story arc that you were searching, hunting down the MacGuffins. Um, so I think uh, that was me more satisfying in a Western game um, than like the skirmish type games that it seems like aces and aces and, and maybe even a little bit of Boot Hill uh, to some degree. But I really have enjoyed my Boot Hill and Connerly uh, runs, the other Jason runs a fantastic Western game that I've always liked to jump into because uh, it just is like draw, you know, it brings you in. He like roles plays as a GM which is awesome. So anyway, thanks, Hobbs. And um, we're going to hear a little bit from Connerly. He had a second part to his message that he sent, so I might as well uh, let him finish out, and I will try to answer that question and then close out. So thanks again, Hobbs. No, no, it was not too long a message. I got to break it up, and I think we had fun doing this. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more As far as Joe's comment on players reading ahead and all yeah, I mean, I mentioned that before. Although I wonder, though, because Joe t Joe's problem, the issue Joe faced, if I understand it correctly, wasn't that a player read about the campaign he's running or read up on the setting they were running. It's just they read some optional rules in the DM's part of the rule book. And I, I don't know that I consider that cheating like I do reading up, the, you know, buying the adventure and reading the adventure or reading the GM section of the world data, right? So if you're playing in, a, in a, a game that has a specific setting, like say Rifts, and you're reading the GM section that gives the, you know, the history, like this is what 
this character's really like and this is their stats, then yeah, I think that's kind of cheating. But if you're just reading optional combat rules, I don't know that it is, but I do agree that bringing up those optional combat rules during the game is kind of out of place. I think that's the kind of thing you discuss before the session or after the session. So, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, though, as far as reading the optional rules in the DM section? Not the setting data, but just the optional rules. Because I, I kind of think that's okay. Because most of us that play, at least in our groups, are all DMs anyway. But I'm curious on your, your feedback on that and Joe's thoughts on that after he hears us call. Anyway, look forward to your next episode. Take care of yourself. Uh, nowadays, with the availability of most rule sets on wiki like pathfinder one pathfinder two everything is there you can look at the srd and look for optional rules that might may or may not be there and, and of course like you said everyone's a a lot of people that we play with are also gms so they buy the player's book the gm's book and they kind of like to be up on the game i mean as you played in some of my games you know I have a particular player who definitely reads all the rules and in a way is a, a player hyphen GM. Um, although sometimes, and I have talked to him in the past, to, hey, I'm running the game, let me run it. Thank you for the rules additions. But sometimes we don't need that. If I have a question, um, then I'll ask, right? Um, I, I don't know if interrupting a game and changing the way things are tackled for a particular instance is beneficial in a game. And I would say I agree talking about it before or, hey, if you have a rules question or the, that rule doesn't work or that's not the way the rule is in your as far as you think or in your interpretation, well, then maybe talk to the, the GM, referee, um, chronicler afterwards. I think that's the, the way to go. And I, I'm in the past... I've, I've been bad at that sometimes and I'll say, well, that's not really how that works during the course of play. And that's not helpful. And I think that really stems my reining it in has stems from, you know, the fact that a lot of, or some people I play with, they play streaming and online and it's kind of in a way rude because it's their platform and it interrupts the flow of the game, which is not what you want. You want to entertain the people and truth be told, we get enough comments sometimes. Well, that's not the way it works. And, uh, well, that's also not productive. Uh, so, hey, just enjoy and play the game uh, or watch the, the game and stream it. And let's uh, let's discuss roles, questions after. I mean, unless it's critical, right? There's sometimes, I mean, not a change in the way you, you run things, but a particular interpretation of a role that could be a matter of life and death for the player character. Well, I think uh, that's uh, that's what's important at that time. But it seems like in Joe's case, and maybe Joe can clarify, was it a life-death situation? Was it a rules question? Or like, hey, we need to change this rule. I'd rather do this because it'll now benefit my character in this instance. And then I think that should be tabled uh, and talked about and then implemented the next time. Right? I've done that um, when talking about how I want to run, for example, fate points in my Warhammer Fantasy game. But I didn't do it in that particular moment um but then we talked about it and then now we're going to implement it at some point or we did already maybe anyway so um so thank you all for listening thank you for the uh, amazing call from hobbs thank you for taking the time really 
to send me that information and that feedback. It's helped me to self-analyze myself. That doesn't make sense. It's helped me to be introspective about myself and how I uh, tackle a game and go with a PvP uh, situation. I think I'm better for it. I still don't like the blindside, blindsided PvP, but I would be okay with discussing. We're all on it, in it for our, ourselves. This is a competition. Uh, let the best player win. And that would be more like a board game um, than a role-playing game, in my opinion, or a skirmish game. But hey, that's I played tabletop Warhammer Fantasy uh, Battles. I played Warhammer 40K. And yeah, the guy opposite you um, uh, is not trying to be your buddy. He's trying to destroy your army. So yeah, that's maybe how you got to change the perspective and look at it. For the rest of you, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion between Hobbs and uh, Connerly and myself. And I hope you can answer some of these questions and clarify. I definitely will give you the show notes for uh, that really good uh, player expectation or the adversarial play. Um, but you should also listen to uh, Player Expectations GM Metagaming from Clerics or Ringwell. That's his latest episode from April 12th. So, um, so that's uh, Taylor. So thank you for that input, Taylor. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but uh, I love that uh, great minds think alike. And there was some parallel uh, contribution um, as far as that goes. So uh, thank you so much. And um, if you want to respond to me, you can uh, email me at, uh, leave me a voice message or email at geomologist at gmail.com. I have a SpeakPipe account that is linked in the show notes. You can, the best way, uh, um, that's kind of what uh, Hobbs did and Connerly have both done, is uh, record a message and then DM me uh, the message through the through Discord or or even you know leaving it as an email. That's not a problem either. Uh, you could try, uh, depending on how Spotify for podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, uh, is handling things, you can try to leave me a message through the Anchor website. So uh, the intro and outro music is by TJ Drennan. My wife Amy does the cover clip art. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon.